Okay, let's turn and look at our scripture. By the way, I do want to acknowledge Robert Knuth, who is with us. Robert in the back and his bride is somewhere I don't know. But Robert is one of our missionaries who is working with RUF, Reform University Fellowship, uh, at Johnson & Wales University in Charlotte, North Carolina. He is also working his way through seminary. Uh, we are investing in the future. As Robert works on his MDiv degree, he is going to be taking a post somewhere with RUF uh, in, the, in the nation. And uh, so we are thankful for you, Robert. We're praying for you and encourage you to st uh, stop off and say hi to him and for him to share a little bit of the work of what's going on. In fact, if you stick around, I'd love to have you during our adult ed hour just to share a couple thoughts on what's uh, going on there at Johnson & Wales. Okay, our scripture can be found on the inside of the bulletin on page 4. This is Luke 17, 11 through 19. Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Well, I thought it appropriate as we turn our eyes toward Christmas to ask the question, what is it that you are looking for? What is it that you want for Christmas? Perhaps you haven't thought of that question yet, and so I thought I'd jog your memory by looking back on days of yore of the most popular toys. Indeed, you might have been a child when you clamored out to your parents that this is what you wanted for Christmas. Let us bring up our first uh, one, Maestro in the back, that being Ron Furbish, the sound guy. Hello, Ron. Do you have a slide for me? Thank you so much. In 1975, you might remember, drum roll please, as I put Ron. Click, 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 click. Fun to kind of do this to the sound guy, by the way. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Something D-O-O economics? Voodoo economics, Ron? Oh, well, I'll just go ahead and say them, shall I? 1975, who wanted a pet rock for Christmas? Anyone? Pet rock for Christmas? Nobody wanted a pet rock for Christmas? What's the matter with you people? What I loved about the pet rock, by the way, is it, became, it came in a cardboard pet carrier as well as a 32-page training manual. How do you write a 32-page training manual for a pet rock? Clearly they did so. Do we got anything, Ron? 1998, who wanted a Furby? Remember the Furby? Which, by the way, was named after our sound guy, Ron Furbish, a.k.a. Furby. There is Furby, that's right. The Furby used to go for 35 bucks, but quickly skyrocketed to 100 bucks because of this delightful, cute critter. How about 2011? What do we got here, Ron? 
We've got Let's Rock Elmo. Yes, is that Let's Rock Elmo? I think he came up. Perhaps it was Tickle Me. No, this was Let's Rock Elmo. Yes, how long will people continue to pay money for the same toy? Tickle Me Elmo, Let's Rock Elmo, it's the same. Next year it'll be Big Pharma Elmo and people will still pay for him. Or PCA Hyper Calvinist Elmo and they'll pay big money. Well, the big one for this year is 2018, the Fingerlings. Do we have a picture of the Fingerlings, Ron? Yes. That's not the cute one, Ron. Where's the other one, the other Fingerling? Anyone heard of these, by the way? You kind of hook them. It's, it's like the number one toy on Amazon. It's like this little monkey, and he kind of turns, and he blinks his eyes. There's the Fingerling right here. Isn't that darling? But you can go for the other one, which is the Dino Fingerling. If you could bring that up, and this one's really neat because when you turn your head a certain way, it'll jump from your finger and grab your nose and claw your eyes out. <laughs> Fingerlings, number one on Amazon. Pretty exciting, huh? Well, I wanted to jog your memory. There are plenty of things that we want, right, for Christmas, but this sermon isn't about want, is it? It's about need because we have 10 people in here that don't have a want, they have a need. Indeed, they have this horrible disease called leprosy. And Jesus is the one they come to. Jesus is the one that they believe that can cure them. And Jesus heals them. They cry, Look, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus gives them an instruction. And they're healed. But interestingly enough, after Jesus cures them, Jesus rebukes them, or nine out of ten of them anyways. Not for asking too much, but for asking too little. You see, these lepers came and asked for God's mercy when they could have asked and received God's grace. See, Jesus came to give us more than simply give us gifts. Jesus came to give us himself. And so, as we move from Thanksgiving into Christmas, we must not confuse the gift with the giver. I want to unpack this statement, this comment. I want to look at three particular things. Number one, their request. What was it that these lepers really wanted? Number two, I want to look at Jesus' response to their request, how he responds to their need. And then finally, I want to look at their response to Jesus' response, how they respond to how Jesus responds to them. Because Jesus came to give us more than healing. He came to give us himself. So don't confuse the gift with the giver. Well, let's begin with point number one, their request. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's traveling from Galilee, which is in the north part of Israel, to Jerusalem and he has to go through Samaria. If you remember, Samaria is the land of the half-breeds, the people who supposedly, the Jews who sold out to other nations and intermarried with other nations and so they're considered second-class citizens, if you will. And as he's entering a village, he's met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance, and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They have leprosy, this disease, which I believe is actually a neurological disease, and it manifests itself in their skin. See, at some point, they were normal people. They looked like you and me. And then it started. It was 
a rash, a little annoyance in their flesh that they noticed. And despite the simple cures that they have, it didn't stop. Indeed, it spread. And they tried to cure it, and then they next tried to hide it. Because, you see, if you were leprous, you were banned from the community, you were taken away uh, from your family, you couldn't interact. And so they, at some point, could not hide it. And the priests came. It was the priests that proclaimed clean and unclean. And despite their best efforts, it was obvious they could hide it no longer. And as the priests examined their bodies in the infant stage of leprosy, they made the pronouncement. And these people were cast out of the community. Can you imagine and one day being with your wife and your kids and your friends, being able to go and worship, and then all in an instant losing everything, being cast out away, never to be hugged or touched, never to be able to come right into their presence for fear of infecting them. Can you imagine having to walk around saying unclean, unclean, unclean as your body's degenerated before your very face. That was the status of these people, these walking dead, if you will, out in the wilderness. But what drove them to this point to speak to Jesus? Perhaps it was the statement they heard that Jesus made when John the Baptist sent people from prison to see if he was really the one that the people were searching for. And Jesus responded, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed are those who do not fall away on account of me. And so they came. They came in a group, the only ones who would accept them, other lepers. And they stood at a distance for good reason. For to come close was to get the penalty of stoning for having come, in, come too close to a, a uh, person who was clean, and they cried, Oh, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. What is it they want? Notice they don't really say, do they? They think it's obvious. They don't say, heal us of leprosy. They simply say, have mercy on us. For what else would one want in this particular condition? They want physical healing. And so they cry out for mercy. Now what is mercy, by the way? Jesus actually gives the best definition of mercy a couple of chapters earlier in the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember the person who was going down to Jericho and he was beset upon by robbers, he was beaten within an inch of his life and he was left on the side of the road? And uh, this, this person said, uh, you know, remember somebody came to test Jesus and said, What's the greatest command? And Jesus said, love your neighbor. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. And he said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story of this person left for dead and the, the priest walks along on the other side of the road. He doesn't want to be defiled. Then the Levite walks along and then along comes this Samaritan who goes across the street and bandages up this person's wounds, pouring on oil and wine and takes him to an inn and pays the innkeeper to take care of him and says, I will be back and if you need more money, I will give you more. And Jesus asked the question, who was the one 
that had mercy on this person. It was the Samaritan, the person said. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. See, mercy is someone who has the power to do something about someone's condition and chooses to do so. Notice that this Samaritan in the parable of the Good Samaritan was under no obligation. If the priest walked by and the Levite walked by, surely the Samaritan could walk by. It's implied this was an Israelite. They didn't associate with one another. And yet the Samaritan saw him and had compassion on him and reached out and showed mercy. See, that's why these lepers are here with Jesus. They know that he's master. They clearly believe that he has the power of God to heal their condition. Notice they didn't come to Jesus and at a distance start remonstrating to him and saying, Jesus, this is not fair. God, why did you do this to me? I don't deserve this. That's the thing about when you're at the bottom of the barrel. You recognize that all of life is a blessing and a gift from God. Know what mercy means when you speak to God is, oh God, withhold from me what we deserve. And do we really deserve anything from God when we pause and think about it? Was it not him who gave us our life? Was it not him who has the right to take it away? Can any of us walk into the presence of God and stand before him and say, yes, God, I have loved you with all my heart and all my soul and acknowledge you for who you are. Now give me what's coming to me. No, we can't, and neither did these lepers. But they came all the same, and they came to Jesus. For where else can they go? Everything else, the masters that they have gone to, have not healed them. Indeed, the master of leprosy has mastered them. And so they come to Jesus and say, not can you heal me, but will you heal me? You see, here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. There is no place in the entire Bible where people come to Jesus and ask for mercy and he does not give it. Remember the woman with the bleeding issue who comes to Jesus and reaches out her hand and touches his garment and is healed. What about the proud synagogue ruler who comes and kneels before Jesus and says, come with me and heal my daughter. Have mercy on me. What about the leper, five chapters, excuse me, more than that, chapters earlier in Luke that came to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Whenever anyone comes to Jesus and asks for mercy, he shows it. Have you ever been shown mercy by someone? One of the greatest cases of mercy I ever received, blessings of mercy, was from my wife, Lee Ellen, who was not my wife at the time. In college, I got uh, mono, and I didn't know it. I went to the uh, medical place, and they must have given me the cheap test or something, and they said, I had a sinus infection. Go home, and you'll be fine. But I wasn't fine. I'd actually run a marathon earlier that month, and so my system was shot and for the next year I'd get out of bed somehow stumble to class and come back and fall 
My mother was thousands of miles away. She couldn't help me. But Lee Ellen, who was my girlfriend at the time, saw me and showed mercy upon me and cared for me. And I think that was at the time when I realized that I had uh, the best thing going for me right there. She showed mercy. Has anyone ever done that for you? See, where do you go when you have nowhere else to go? When you're at the end of your rope and no one will or no one can help. You lose your spouse. You lose your child. And people are well-meaning. They love you, they care for you, but they can't be there. What happens when your friends abandon you and you're all alone and there's no one to console you? See, as that person was the good Samaritan to them, Jesus is the good Samaritan to you and me. As religion walks by on the other side of the road, Jesus crosses it. He's both willing and he's able. And Jesus sees you and me. Jesus cares for you and me. And Jesus pays for you and me. The coins given to the innkeeper was his blood shed on the cross. In a world that shows no mercy, you can call out to Jesus and he will meet you in your time of need. Not with a simple magic pill, because Jesus knows what we need in our heart of hearts. Jesus gave mercy to these people, didn't he? And he will give mercy to you and me, to all who call upon his name. It's very interesting how Jesus does give mercy though, doesn't it? It, turns, uh, it makes me uh, go to my second point, Jesus' response of how he shows mercy. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, why did Jesus say that? Well, it was the priests that would pronounce you unclean, and it was also the priests that would pronounce you clean. In other words, Jesus could do a miracle, but until the priests announced you clean, you would not be able to go back to your family. You would not be able to go back to the temple. And so Jesus, on the face of it, gives a pretty good response. Go. But with that had to come doubt to the lepers, didn't it? I mean, Jesus, we've come to you for healing. And you're telling us to go back to the very people that pronounced us unclean in the first place. I mean, what happens when you go to Jesus and Jesus says, go and do this? And you can imagine their doubt as they're walking away from the very person that they think can heal them. I mean, it wasn't like there was an email or a cell phone or something. They may never see Jesus again. This was their only hope. And it says, as they went, as they started walking with Jesus in the rearview mirror. Now, it doesn't say how long they went, did it? Does it? Was it 30 minutes? Was it a day? But they took Jesus at his word and they walked. They exercised faith, as hard and difficult as it was. See, here's the thing I hate about faith. Faith requires faith, right? Faith requires faith. 
to put your heart in your hands and to go and do what God tells you to do. Faith requires a decision. And as they trusted in Jesus' word and as they went, they were cleansed. Now imagine that. As they're walking along and they start to feel a tingling in their hand. See, leprosy destroys the nerve endings. You no longer have the ability to feel. So actually what you do is you destroy yourself. You hit your hand against something and you don't feel it. And so you start destroying your own body. They start to feel in their hands again. Some of them might have lost fingers and hands. And as they look, they see their bodies beginning to be restored. See, Jesus showed himself personal to them by hearing their cry. But then Jesus also shows himself powerful to them. Jesus not only went up to the cross and went into the tomb, but he came out of it. For Jesus is also the resurrection and the life. Faith is a part of the process of their healing. It's very interesting. In Luke 5, Jesus heals another leper, doesn't he? And the, the person comes and says, if you're willing... And Jesus puts his hands on them right then and there and heals them. But Jesus knew for some reason that wasn't what they needed. See, here's the thing when you're at the bottom of the barrel, when you're at the end of the rope, God is doing something in your life to take your confidence off of yourself and then to take your confidence off of the world so that you can put your confidence in Christ. We view pain and misfortune in this world as a curse. But in reality, often it's a blessing. It takes pain. It takes time. The reality is God's been healing these particular people long before they even knew they were sick. What does that mean for you and me? It means that Jesus still gives commands. Commands that require faith and asks for us to step out and to trust him. You're a young person. You're in a relationship. You're dating someone. You're in high school. You're in college. And you have these desires and urges. And the world is saying there's nothing wrong. Go ahead. Do as we do. But Jesus says walk in this way. It requires faith. Or maybe you're in a situation that's not life and death, but it's life and despair. My marriage is falling apart. We always fight. We've lost that loving feeling. And God says, trust and obey me. Love your spouse, even when they're not lovable. I will give you the love that you need. You're a young mother in your house right now. And all you do is cook and clean and care. You don't have a life. You don't have any friends. God, this isn't what I signed up for. Jesus says, trust me. Obey me. I'll be there for you. And as they went, they were cleansed. Maybe you're just trapped in your faults and all that's wrong with you or so you perceive. Jesus can meet us 
and you and me wherever we are because Jesus delights to show mercy. But we have a part in that, don't we? Because faith requires faith. Jesus set it up that way for the lepers. Would he not set it up that way for you and me as well? Well, that brings me to the final part of this sermon, which really is the whole thrust of the, of the story. Jesus' response to their response. Because as they go, they're all healed. But then in verse 15, it says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks now, he was a Samaritan. I think this is the reason why Jesus sent them all away, by the way. If he didn't send them away, they couldn't come back, right? But Jesus sends them away. Now, in a way, it's understandable in some ways that only one would come back. I mean, think about the temptation in your own life. You've been shut off from your family, your children, if you had any, your place in the community, your place in the temple, and all of that lies before you. And Jesus has opened the door. Would you not go running at the top of your speed back to that life? Could you fault any of them for doing so? And yet Jesus rebukes them. But this one, this Samaritan turns around and he comes back. He was a Samaritan leper. I don't know if you can get any further away than a Samaritan leper. The outsider of outsiders is the one who came back. And Jesus saw him and said, we're not the ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, wasn't he already well? Why is Jesus saying your faith has made you well? Because Jesus healed all of their bodies. But Jesus healed this man's soul. He gave him wellness of heart. All of those other guys who were healed of leprosy, guess what? They're still going to die. And we all are. But this person received a new wellness, a wellness of soul. What Jesus is really saying is, you're saved. You have salvation. Because notice he says, your faith has made you well. Well, didn't the faith of all the lepers make them well? Or made them healed in body? But this faith that Jesus is talking about is the faith to come back. The faith to recognize the difference between the gift and the giver. Because all of those other people, what they wanted was mercy. But what this man wanted was grace. Mercy and grace. They're flip sides of the coin of Christ's love. You want to know the difference? God's mercy is not giving sinners what they deserve which is what he gave to the lepers, not giving sinners what they deserve. But God's grace is positively giving sinners what they do not deserve. See the difference? 
When we believe in Jesus, because of his mercy, God does not give us what we deserve. His wrath, eternal punishment, cut off from God in hell. And when we believe in Jesus, because of his grace, God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us eternal life. He adopts us as his children. He makes us joint heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us power and victory over sin. He lives in us. He conforms us to Christ. He causes all things to work together for our good. He hears our prayers. He gives us the gifts of the Spirit. He produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Shall I go on? It would take forever. God's grace is what he positively gives us that we could never deserve, never merit. And this Samaritan, unlike the other nine, wanted that. He wanted more than mercy. He also wanted grace. And so he went to the source. I find it somewhat ironic that this story opens with the lepers at a distance and it ends with the nine lepers at an even greater distance from Jesus. But this one Samaritan right at Jesus' feet. The others were certainly happy God's mercy restored them to the community. But how long did that last? Have you ever gotten what you wanted? You want this one thing or you want to be healed of this one problem or this situation to go away and when it happens you're so excited? But then it fades because the only thing that truly gives satisfaction and contentment to the heart is God's grace. In Jesus Christ. This Samaritan wanted grace and so he came. Do you? Where are you with God? Maybe you came because you wanted his mercy. But in reality, when you look at your life with God, you're far away. Because in the end, he's really just a means to an end. Sure, I'm thankful to Jesus for what he's done for me, but my heart is on other things, grasping at the world. Or is your heart set on grace? He is the one that I want. You can take all of the gifts, but I want the giver. Ephesians 1, 7 put it this way, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Is that what you want, the riches of his grace? If the Samaritan could figure it out, maybe it's because he was a Samaritan. Because it's only the forgotten, the infirm, the broken in body and spirit that in the end get it. Maybe the ones that need to lead the church in this way are the ones who are in the wheelchair and the ones who struggle with depression and the ones who have lost their spouse and the ones who have nowhere else to turn. They're the ones that lead the way back to Jesus. See, Jesus came to give us so much more than healing. 
And God, we need healing. But he came to give us himself. So don't confuse the gift with the giver. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Place your gifts like the kings at Jesus' feet and worship him like this Samaritan. And you shall hear the same thing, maybe a little bit different. Rise and stay with me. Your faith has made you well. This is the promise and hope of Christmas. It's for the rich, it's for the poor. It's for the smart, it's for the dumb. It's for the able, and it's for the infirm. And it's for you, and it's for me. Let's pray. Oh God, let us not confuse all of the gifts that you bestow and shower upon us with you who are the very gift that we need the most, your grace and your mercy. Help us to incline our hearts and eyes to you and to set our gifts at your feet as we walk in faithfulness and obedience to whatever you call us to do and be. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.